Uh, I have a serious question for you. Uh, fire away. And, and there is only one correct answer. Uh, which pocket do you carry your phone in? Uh, the left, of course. Left front, correct? Oh, yeah, duh. Oh. I'm not, a, I'm not an animal. Okay, this is much shorter than I thought. For some reason, I thought you would choose the wrong one. Are there people who... Are you, are you referring to like a back pocket? No, certain people will... I've, I've heard this really strange thing where people who are right-handed, which, which you're right-handed, correct? That's correct. It's the only way to live. Um, that they will... <laughs> okay, well, maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, um, uh, that right-handed people will sometimes prefer keeping their phone in the front right pocket, which makes absolutely no sense to me. And I think regardless of which uh, hand is your dominant hand, that the front left is the only suitable pocket. Yeah, I mean, the, the right pocket's where your wallet and keys go. Hmm. Okay, front, front right pocket is where your slim wallet goes. Rear left pocket is where keys go. Whoa, 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 whoa. You put your keys in a rear pocket? You put your keys and wallet in the same pocket? Yes. It's sometimes I'm not sure we can do this show anymore. <laughs> I mean, sometimes... Um, it, it you know sometimes there's a little bit of um fishing around in the pocket as, as you say um no there's no mixing of pockets so wait i i don't understand so every time you go to sit down you have to move your keys why would you have to move your keys how many keys do you carry do, do you, you have see, your car key and you have like your house keys so you sit on your keys sure really how many keys are you carrying around uh, maybe six or seven Okay, I have, I have one car key, w- yeah. which is fairly small, and then I have, like, three keys and another ring. Oh, see, my... What are you opening? The key, to, the key to my car is, like, the size of my MacBook Pro. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's maybe well, a little smaller, but... Hold on, now I have to look this up. Ford Escape Keyless. Edge. No. Or, or uh, it's the same damn thing. Ford Edge Key it, the, It's not that big. It's, it's fairly large. Wait. So seriously, though, you so when you sit down, you you're sitting on your keys, and that, Wait, that's hold, not... hold on. Can, I'm looking at pictures of your your key fob here. Yeah. What the hell does the two X button do? Uh that's the remote start. What does the other two X button do? Uh, so, well, so one of them opens the the trunk, and then the other's for a remote start. Hmm. <laughs> this is a weird looking key thing. Yeah, it is. Okay, this is the size of a MacBook, so... Yeah, right. But, I mean, even if, let's say, it was half that size, which maybe is what yours is, it's still not uncomfortable to sit on? Not at all. That's, that's bizarre. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get... You know, I obviously don't really, really want to get personal here, but, I mean, it just, just seems like... Uh, know, it just seems like there should, could be some logistical issues. No. Okay. Hmm. Again, like, uh, <sighs> once every... Every uh, store begins to support Apple Pay or, or some type of contactless payment. Hopefully, the wallet goes away eventually. But until then, no keys live in the in the rear or left pocket. That's I mean that's the thing is I I would love a way to eliminate my wallet and keys. I mean that that day cannot come early enough. Sure. Wow, it's, it's a, it was an extended uh, beverage break there. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to mute. <laughs> um, do you, I mean do you want to share with the people what what you're uh, drinking this evening, or was that was no, that, was no, that not private, a, n- not at all. Okay. 
Um, okay, well, I'm I'm glad we we sorted this out, and and you you do it uh, the proper way. Yeah. All right. Good. Good show. <laughs> until until next week. Um, why did I write dishes? Dishes. Where did I, where did you write that? Is this an is this an omnifocus? No, this I have like a a small little uh, text document for things I want to throw in here that aren't necessarily item links. And I, and I wrote dishes. All right. Anyway, it, it, it notes for this show specifically, or just like life? <laughs> no, this show. Okay. How how many different places do you record things for this show? Uh, just two, or actually, just one. Well, Slack. Yeah. Well, then what's the notes app for? No, no, I have a separate channel inside Slack. Oh, that a, just includes oh, me. Oh, I see a private channel. Just one where I can throw things into it that I don't want to. What do you do? What do you, what do, you do? You talk about me in there? No, no, just like things that I that aren't necessarily links, but I kind of want to keep together. Hmm. Well, actually, let's let's talk about that a little bit. I I struggle with finding a place to put just like ideas and stuff that I want to write down. Like like, what do you do for that? Because I have Evernote, which is great for. Uh, things I scan in with the scan snap or like doc uh, like PDFs and stuff or like longer form notes but I don't really have a place to put just kind of stray thoughts or things I want to remember you're gonna hate this so much it better not be the default notes app because I'm, I'm, I'm ending this right now it, it is no yeah I you know what like maybe I don't I don't know what this says about me but I, I don't feel like I I have to write down a whole lot of random things like that throughout the day. Um, I mean, I like I'm. You're just I'm, that smart. No, I mean, I just I'm I'm lucky to have a pretty good memory overall, and then. But that's not what your brain's for. <laughs> well, okay, this is this is gonna get into a much deeper like getting things done or like like your your brain is for more complex decision making it's not to remember things i, I that's, see that's where what you're... software technology is for if, if you're trying to remember things using your brain like I, hmm. I think there's a fundamental fundamental disagreement there i understand the sentiment but for me the when that comes up the you know ca- capturing something kind of just random um the, the note the notes app is fine and it, it's gotten a lot better in ios 9 so what what does that entail? Does that mean there's just one long note of just kind of I want to remember this, or are there a bunch of tiny little notes? There there are a handful of various notes with kind of different topics. I mean, one is literally just like miscellaneous, and then you know one is like <laughs> thing like I've I've got one that's like stuff I need to buy from Amazon. Um, hmm. Wouldn't that just be the Amazon app? Yeah, they have the wish list, but I find that a little—I don't know. Well, you have if, to kind if it's of click around to find stuff, and if it's not too personal, can you kind of share what's an example of something that would be in that? <laughs> Honestly, it's a lot of times it's like household, like cleaning stuff and bathroom stuff, just just things for the apartment. And that's not stuff that would go into like an OmniFocus style list to just get at Target. Well, I don't—I don't have OmniFocus, so no. You have the opportunity to get it. I mean, do, do, so I guess that's another question. Do you use no form of to-do list app? Because I thought you said you use reminders. I use reminders, but I... So that doesn't have a shopping list of any sort in it? 
I, no, my I mean, you could set one up, of course, but no, I, I don't. You don't it, choose to employ one? No, and especially now that the Notes app has the ability to create lists. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Do you use either, um, there are two apps that I like, uh, but I've, I've defaulted to drafts. Do you have anything like drafts or yeah, scratch? I, I, have, I have drafts. I use that. I use that occasionally. What do you use it for? Longer form stuff. See, that's, hmm. That seems like the opposite of what it's intended for. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how I roll. <laughs> You're a contrarian. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, I know. That's wrong. <laughs> see, see what I did there? It's so dumb. Okay. Um, it may have made you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to edit out that lame joke. No, but we're keeping that in. All we'll right. Make that the show title somehow. All right. And then I have one other thing that I, I wrote down hastily in, in the, the private Slack channel. Uh, have you ever heard of Microsoft Groove? Yes. Although I, I can't tell you what. I feel like that's something that I haven't heard in a long time. So this is news to me, like as of like four hours ago. Apparently, Microsoft has like a Spotify competitor. Like they have a subscription music service, and it's called Microsoft Groove oh, Music. Oh yes, and I like literally, and like I I pay attention. I read everything like kind of related to technology. I've literally never heard of this. This ca- this came out with. Um... Oh God! Well, what was their music player called? Zune. That kid just came out with the Zune, didn't? No, it didn't though. I thought maybe because that's that why used I... to be called Zune Pass. Oh, like I have literally never heard of Microsoft Groove. Hmm. Well, okay, maybe because hmm. Microsoft has tried like a billion of these. They they did um, MSN Music. Uh, they had a service <laughs> with a uh, co-branded with MTV called Urge. Yes, back that, in like 2008. That, that was with the Zune. No, that was before. That was back when, because again, I was a sucker that bought, like I had a media player before the iPod called the Toshiba Gigabit S that ran the Windows Mobile Media Center platform. Well, no, so the Zune, the Zune came out in like 2006. 2009. Yes, hmm. 2006. Then when did the Gigabit S come out? So the the music service you had just described, Urge, the the thing with MTV, that that was certainly um, marketed in conjunction with the Zune. I recall that. I think that's what I that, that's what I was thinking of when I thought that this Groove thing was that. It totally didn't, dude. Like, because I remember Zune, because I've never understood their strategy here, because they they had Zune Pass or Zune Music. Because I remember they had this weird commercial with this like financial planner saying that it would cost $30,000 to fill your iPod versus like $10 a month. Like it was this really weird advertising campaign. But I know it was labeled Zune. But then I know Microsoft also had another music service like called Xbox Music. So, uh, so you are absolutely correct. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the, the knowledge of all things, of course. Uh, Urge was not compatible with Microsoft's Zune. <laughs> of course it wasn't. Although the first generation Zune marketplace was based on Urge and had many similarities. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. It's, it's weird that, it's kind of weird that all this stuff like feels like a long time ago. Like we're talking about 
2008 as if it's ancient history. Don't get me started on that because I've been thinking about that more and more. Like, do you remember back in the 90s? Like, the biggest thing of the 90s was that you could use caller ID. Yeah, man. And, or like, and now, like, th- like three way calling and like, like Star 69 was like, right. like the, was hot shit. Right. And now, like, we've gone to the part like we're, we're going to have like autonomous vehicles in two years. And you have like a, a 12 megapixel camera in your pocket. You can listen to any music or any, any piece of music that you want on demand. And it's all happened in like the past four years. Actually, see, that's a, that's an interesting point, too, is it's not just about thinking about things that happened a handful of years ago and having those feel like a long time ago. It's also the fact that all of these things that we thought would be really awesome someday are like boring. Yeah. And, and, and it's super unremarkable. Right. Now, now your complaint is not that you can have all of like the world's knowledge and information or every like creative work ever uh, composed in a couple seconds it's that it buffers sometimes or just like even like little things like with netflix when like when netflix first came out and it was primarily disc based and they had like a couple you know streaming videos up and you thought like man like what if netflix was basically just like instead of these like discs i could just like stream everything and that's I mean, that's basically what we have now <laughs> we we should table this discussion but like that that is something that i keep coming back to that's just it's it just crazy yeah. All right. So a tongue for a later day. Oh, okay. Or doodled. I forget which one is which. <laughs> so anyway, what were we talking about? Yeah. But so, so there was MSN Music, and then there was Urge, and then there was Zune Pass. I cons- I'm pretty sure there was something called Xbox Music, and I have no idea what that was. Like, did Microsoft ever have a music service that only ran on Xbox 360? I, I believe so, Yes. Wouldn't that be like a super limited audience? Like, I know there's well, uh, like who's going to listen to music only on their Xbox? I think that's why uh, whatever music service that was is no longer just uh, Xbox. So, so is that now Groove Pass? Okay, so Groove Music. Previ- this is also again from Wikipedia. Previously, Xbox Music and Zune Music is a <laughs> digital music streaming service developed by Microsoft. Blah blah blah. Um, so Microsoft had previously ventured into music services with its Zoom brand. Uh, the Zoom music marketplace included 11 million tracks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, meanwhile, Microsoft had been emphasizing the strength of its Xbox brand because of its appeal to consumers. Um, yeah, so th- this, is, this is the service that used to be Microsoft only. So on July 6, 2015, Microsoft announced the rebranding of Xbox Music as Groove to tie in with the impending release of Windows 10. This is actually like fairly new. So yes, yeah, so this was from it looks like about 2012 because it, it was um, it was announced at E3 2012 and came out that fall. So from like fall 2012 through this past summer, it it was Xbox Music, which was like this Xbox only thing. And then now it's Groove, which is a Xbox and Windows 10 thing. That apparently has a really low, low-rated low iPhone app, too. Hmm. Oh, you can get this on iPhone? And Android, apparently. Okay. And, odd, and oddly, it has a Windows phone app. Huh. Oh, yeah. Platforms. Web, Xbox 360, Windows 8, and later. Huh. So my laptop could even run this. <laughs> cool. Windows, so Windows Phone 8 can run it, but Windows 7 can't. Awesome. Uh, iOS and Android. 
I I don't get the. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So where where do you want to start? That was my kind of messing around piece. Um. Well, the, the train's ready to go. Um. I I don't actually don't know if the train comes through now with like I use like the noise gate and stuff. We're we're, we're much more sophisticated than we used to be back in the early days. So. Um. I don't know if the train came through, but if if it didn't, just pretend there was a train noise there. There definitely wasn't. How how dare you? <laughs> Um, did we talk about the Twitter 10,000 character limit last week? No, I think that came out late last week. Um, yeah, I, 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 when I looked in the Slack, it seemed like it was, yeah, maybe right after the show last week. So I, I don't know. Do you, I mean, do you have anything to, to say about that? Do you have strong, strong feelings? Like is, is Twitter now as a result of this going to lose, you know, what made Twitter Twitter? No, I'm, I'm actually, I think this will be good overall like it depends on how it's implemented and i'm kind of excited about it because I, I there's a lot of things when i guess maybe like I, I i use twitter less because i can't master the conciseness like a lot of times i think like i'm just gonna say something really poorly in 140 characters or less so i just i don't end up using it so i i think that's definitely something that would make the service more valuable to me it just depends on how they implement it because like if it somehow becomes like a blogging platform or something for like super long form content, I don't think that's something that appeals to me or would be really useful. Although as long as it's not super um, like intrusive, that's fine. But if there was a way to just get a little bit of extra space, I think that would be much better. Like, do you ever see like those those tweet storm things or when people like overly abbreviate just to get like some semblance of a coherent thought into a tweet well i tweet storms i think actually can be used fairly effectively but i, I agree with the, the latter example well, being kind of a hack well yeah but i mean like but why would you do like the whole like one of 13 thing rather than just having a coherent thought written well mm, i mean it's, yeah so, i mean some sometimes it's sometimes it's effective but i see what you're saying yeah so overall i i i, I think this will be uh, if the if it comes out, it, it because you've seen also you've also seen the like the the text shot things right, right like there there's one shot which is an app for kind of highlighting stuff on articles, but also like there's this kind of this weird trend where people just like take a screenshot of like the notes app or something to to try to not game the system but to yeah so they they talked about that on this week's upgrade and how apparently that that's like a thing that no that's definitely do. a thing like you you I... saw it, you saw when. Uh, Jack Dorsey was talking about this, right? I did. And and all he did was like on his on his iPhone or iPad, just like composed a big thing in notes and just took a screenshot of it. And that's that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, that's 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 strange to me. I, I, like, yeah, that is pretty common. And again, like the the medium and the platform should adapt to how people use it, as long as it's not something that's destructive or uh, hurts other people's experience. And as long as there's kind of a like like a clipping or something that allows you to so that like your timeline isn't filled with like walls of text followed by like quick little updates and there's a way to manage that i think i think it'd be great yeah i i mostly agree i <clears throat> i i'm not somebody who's going to get super worked up about this I, I think it's a little strange to to get passionate about <laughs> a topic like this but i, I don't know I, I i do think that the brevity with which you have to um, write up a tweet is one of the things that really does make Twitter unique. And 
in this age of the internet where, you know, you can just basically type as many words as you possibly want, basically at, in, you know, in any way you want. I think there is something unique in the way that Twitter really restricts that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think this is going to ruin Twitter or anything, but I, I do think, and this all, again, does depend on how they implement it, but I, I do think it could take away a little bit of what makes Twitter a unique platform. I, I kind of agree, and I, and I do... Not sympathize is the wrong word, but I, I I will agree that the limit forces conciseness and brevity to kind of limit meandering and rambling thoughts. But no, I think I, I don't think expanding the the like the space that somebody has to to share an opinion will really detract from that. Because again, like of all the different ways, like you can imagine it being implemented, it would almost always still probably truncate to the first two hundred characters or something to kind of keep it as quick, like pithy things. Yeah, I mean that that seems to be the best way this could be implemented, where you still ha- somehow you know emphasize or I don't know somehow incentivize people to make those first yeah 140 200 characters you know meaningful and then the rest is sort of just like almost like a a footnote or an addendum to the first you know couple hundred characters like again like if you're just looking at your timeline and you see like i would much rather see one slightly longer post from somebody than five disjointed random posts of them trying to get out the, get out the same idea like interspersed with a whole bunch of other content which makes it harder to follow so i think ultimately that does make a better experience for me yeah i agree uh well speaking of uh things that people get irrationally upset about um you want to talk a little bit more about uh rumors that i apple's going to be removing the headphone jack from the iphone 7 if we have to <laughs> So you linked to a story where there's some Did petition I? that's got like 200,000 signatures. Well, People. no, I, I linked to that in, in, in just kind of a look at this ridiculous thing. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you, the you, reason you, I wanted On the internet, a, you can get 200,000 signatures for anything. Well, that might be true. Um, I, I just wanted to bring this up because they talked extensively about this to, to bring up this week's episode of Upgrade again. Um. And it, I don't know, like, I, I was listening to that episode, and it was kind of the first time I had really, like, actually thought through maybe some of the nitty-gritty logistics and um, consequences of there not being a headphone jack in an iPhone, and kind of just bums me out. Like, again, not something I'm going to lose sleep over or feel like I need to go sign an online petition about or just, like, get emotionally upset about, but it's just kind of a kind of a bummer. It's, it's just going to be such a hassle to have to carry around some stupid adapter every time you want to use regular headphones. Um, and, you know, like we've discussed extensively on the show, in which, you know, not to spoil anything, we might talk again about today, but, you know, Bluetooth headphones, they have a specific time and place. For me, Bluetooth headphones are not my all-day, everyday uh, headphones. So both of those options just are kind of crummy and. I feel like we're just we're not really going to get any benefit because I don't want my I don't need my iPhone to be thinner. 
I don't, maybe don't even want my iPhone to be thinner. And that seems to be the only thing that we're really gaining here. So it's it's hypothetical discussions. Like, uh, have there actually been any hardware leaks or anything? Like, I, I don't put it past Apple that this this will happen. But have there actually been any like hardware casing links uh, leaks that suggest we haven't, this? Haven't seen anything like that. But I mean, doesn't this just feel like every time we see a major change in an iPhone? I mean, isn't this isn't this exactly how it goes? Like, it's it's this time of year. It's these types of rumors. I don't know, just something, something about it. Something about it just feels, feels right. So I, I, I agree, but I have a question. Does, is lightning proprietary in the sense that let's, it won't happen, but let's say HTC decides that they think lightning is a great connectivity standard. It's, uh, lightning is not a licensed connector where HTC could put that on their phone, right? Uh, well, I mean... It, not not licensed in that it's like some type of open license that you can just use if you pay some established fee. I mean, I'm sure Microsoft or Microsoft Apple could license it, but I don't know. So if I think would. I think that's my problem with it is again, we've talked at length of my my frustration that I have to have like a, a silly battery case on my phone so that, uh, on any any but the lightest days of usage, I can't get through an entire day on the standard battery. But it, just because Apple's in this weird pursuit of making something as thin as it possibly can be, even if it doesn't add anything to the experience and it leads to like weird camera bulges and all that other kind of stuff. But like <laughs> headphones, like there are certain things that should be cross-platform or that aren't proprietary. And headphones definitely seem like that kind of thing. So, like, I don't want another adapter for, like, a, another damn accessory. Like, I don't want, like, I have these nice headphones that uh, for my phone now that are noise-canceling, and I can use them with my Mac. I can use that with them with my Samsung phone. I can use them with my iPhone, and there's not an issue with it. And if I now have to go in from Bose and get a, a lightning-enabled version of this, like that only works with one of my devices. Like that, that's gonna be annoying as hell, and, and for no tangible benefit. The example that uh, they brought up on upgrade that really bummed me out was like the external speaker example. Like if you if you're at a friend's house and there's like some some music that you want to play, and if they have a speaker that's you know not Bluetooth, and I, I grant you increasingly these external speakers that are popular are Bluetooth now, but there's still plenty of people who have just you know, speakers that you just plug in via a regular headphone jack. Or the other example they didn't bring up, but I have thought of, is like if you're in someone's car and if there's something you want to play, you know, you, even if there is Bluetooth in the car, you don't necessarily want to go through like the Bluetooth pairing process. And in fact, some cars, when they're in motion, won't even let you go through that process. It'd be awesome if, if you were like riding with a friend and you unpaired their phone to see you listen to your own music. <laughs> right, right. Um, like situations like that, you know, what are you going to have to do? Constantly carry around some stupid lightning to three and a half millimeter uh, headphone jack adapter? I mean, that's, I don't know, that's, that's ridiculous. It just, uh, I don't know. It, it, just, it just feels like one of those things that is just totally unnecessary. Like, I, I think the, the thing that they really drove home on Upgrade, which I, I do agree with, is this is something that Apple really has to sell to people like they really have to get out there and 
have some type of long list of reasons why this makes the iPhone better. And if they don't have that, that's that's really a shame. Well, it'll be a shame, but but who will care? But I, my, I guess my question is just a brainstorming here. What are the potential upsides of this? Because again, the, the two really big and really obvious downsides are that you can't charge your... And I guess for me, it'd probably be the biggest one is you can't charge your phone and... Well, actually, how would this even work? Because Apple makes that new uh, weird, ugly smart battery case thing. So can you just not have a battery case on your phone anymore? Because again, if they're chasing this weird mythical thinness goal, does that mean I can't have a Mophie case anymore if I want to listen to music at the same time without using Bluetooth? I, I Yeah, probably. So I mean, like with this, like you can't you can't charge your phone at the same time as you're listening to music unless Apple wants to sell some weird pass-through cable. Well, so the the wireless charging rumor has been picking up some pace too. So I, that, I, that's a possibility. I would wager a lot of money that uh, iPhone Seven does not have wireless charging, because because that's a bit too fiddly, and also like depending on the thickness of the case that you have, it's like all this stuff. There's so there's so many weird things with that. So you can't charge your phone and listen to music at the same time. And if if you do that in this whole thing is in the name of thinness that means battery life on the new one will probably stink as well and bluetooth generally performs far worse than a wired connection both in terms of sound quality uh static and interference and just kind of like non like how would you characterize bluetooth audio on its best day still kind of meh right it's just kind of kind of tinny and and also sometimes you get you get weird stuttering or you get kind of just little digital artifacts of just kind of it for some reason something got weird for a quarter of a second and then kind of the audio has to stutter and catch back up like unless apple is going to come which i don't want to encourage them to make yet another proprietary thing but unless they've somehow cracked it and mastered another short-range wireless technology that also somehow speeds up apple watch which let's let's hope for that but i don't see the benefit here yeah it's uh hmm. because if if they if they make this lightning only and they're like oh we'll just use bluetooth what are the odds that apple's going to include quality bluetooth headphones with every iphone i'm thinking probably zero that is kind of the other interesting part of this is what what the headphone solution is going to be i mean i I would presume it's going to be a lightning set of wired headphones in the box and then Maybe they'll come out with some line of Beats branded Bluetooth headphones that you can, you know, buy separately. For what, $150? At least, probably. Like, that that seems really... Tone deaf is probably the wrong word, but, like, just... Like, it, that's not understanding the market. Yeah, and... Like, I you just... can't... You, if, like, Apple doesn't have to be super budget conscious, but... If you, you you don't design experiences and use cases for your hardware that you expect to sell several tens of millions of, and the ideal situation is an accessory that like less than 5% of the audience is going to buy, because that's just a crappy experience for the majority of your customers. I mean, I, I guess the counterexample to all of this is, and I believe me, I, I don't agree with this, but just throwing it out there is you know this is like apple getting rid of you know the floppy drive or getting rid of the cd drive but it's not because like if you get rid of a floppy drive and you say well no we're doing cds now 
or if you get rid of a, a like a weird ADB port and it's now USB, those are things that are being replaced with other technologies that are objectively better. And Bluetooth is not that. Exactly. Like I am all for wireless technologies, but Bluetooth from the beginning is always been kind of crappy. And every version they're like, eh, it's gonna be better. And it's kind of not. Like the power efficiency gets better every generation, but the connectivity, ease, reliability, and speed and quality is always lacking. I mean, I, I still have to unpair and repair my PowerBeats 2 wireless headphones probably once a month. Like same thing. Ha- happened again this week. Like I went to went to go for a run a couple nights ago. You know, turn the power beats on, wouldn't connect to the iPhone, um, turn Bluetooth on and off on the iPhone, turn the headphones on and off. So and then, so how does that manifest itself for you? Because no, that happens to me too, like maybe once every month or so where you you don't get that chime that you normally do. And, and I'm like, uh, did I forget to charge these? Like, what, what the hell's going on? And and I never remember how to get them to to do its thing again. I, the, only, the only way I found that works every time is to... Uh, delete the device on your iPhone, turn the headphones off, and then turn the headphones back on. It'll, you know, the iPhone will search for Bluetooth devices as long as you have Bluetooth on and then go through the pairing process again. So again, going back to the original subject at hand, how is this better? Like, there is no troubleshooting with you you plug in the headphones. And it just it just seems so stupid to carry around a pair of headphones, like lightning enabled headphones that you can only use on one device unless unless you attach some stupid adapter. Like that just seems that seems nuts. <sighs> yeah, I, I understand where this frustrates a lot of people just because, again, like I, like it, again, think of what what are the possible benefits of this? What what additional things are you going to be able to do with the headphones other than potentially higher quality audio, maybe, sort of, but probably not? Like, like what is to be gained other than potentially a marginally thinner phone? Um, I mean, another rumor that's been floating out there is that it, the iPhone 7 might be waterproof. So maybe you need to remove the three and a half millimeter jack to make that possible. If they can figure out how to make the lightning connector waterproof, then how well, I, 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 that's getting into an area that I don't know much about, but yeah, it, it's, it, it, I mean, you know, like, like everything in the time leading up to a product announcement, I think you have to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them a chance to tell their side of the story. But I go into this one highly skeptical. All right, so how about one more small topic, and then we'll get into uh, one of the bigger topics we've got. I don't know what any of our topics are, so feel free. Um, well, uh, let's see. Going through the list, um, uh, 1Password kind of had a big week. Uh, big new iOS update, adding like 3D touch support, various you know little improvements throughout the app, and then you you sent a link to... One uh, password six for uh, OS ten, which I didn't realize it was just a like a, just a software update. I, I was expecting to have to pony up again since I feel like I've paid for One Password eighteen times. And you know, don't get me wrong, I've I've paid for it you know happily, but I thought for sure this was going to be another paid upgrade. But I got a little prompt that an update was ready uh, yesterday, and it just boom, One Password six. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty great. Again, for me, like it's it's more important on OS X just because I do more like substantive work and it, and it becomes more important on that platform. And then, yeah, I forgot. Uh, actually, I've already forgotten what the new features of iOS or what 1Password 6 are other than it supports kind of the um, something that I've preferred, which is kind of longer passwords that are actual words. Like, uh, have you ever heard of dice passwords? No. So uh, you should probably Google for it. But uh, it's where, like, and you've seen that XKCD um, comic, right? About about dice passwords? And, and password strength. No, I don't think so. Okay, let me send you a link, and then you can uh, explain it to uh, the listeners. But it's 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 one of their most it's one of his most famous ones. Okay. And we can give our uh, listeners a 20-second break to uh, go pour themselves another vodka and orange juice. Oh, you, you did come out with it. I thought, I thought you were keeping it a secret. Just trying to get people to, to, to keep tuning in later into the show. Smart. Sure. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, that's one thing. Like, I, I actually don't prefer the... Uh, the one password where it's just like a random string of characters. Like previously you could do, because um, do you use the password generator inside of one password? Oh, all, all the time. There's a one where you can do, um, you can separate it. Th- Not that anybody's going to try to like crack my passwords or anything, like where I'm giving away like the secrets, but you can use hyphens and instead uh, select an option that says uh, pronounceable, which tries to make a password that's not just random strings that you could somewhat easily not remember, but it's much easier to type in. Because I'm sure you've had those awful websites that somehow stop you from copying, pasting passwords. Have you ever seen oh, those? Yeah, it's the worst. Don't get, and also, don't get me started on, on websites that will stop you from copying and pasting your credit card number. Like with so much credit card fraud and all that kind of stuff, like why why is that where you're stopping things? Or now? There, there's like some that'll let you paste it in, but it actually won't like recognize it unless you like delete the last number and then type it in by hand. It's uh, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I I honestly I don't shop places that do that. Like there was something like when I was gonna buy my Lego Wally, I ended up buying it from Walmart because Target wouldn't let me copy and paste my password. <laughs> Like that, that that's insane. It's ultimate first world problem, but well, no, but like I seriously, look, like sentiment. why why are you doing this? Why are you trying to make it hard to buy something? Anyway, so yeah, like oh the so getting back to the point, the key features of um, One Password Six for OS Ten it has increased support for One Password for Teams, which is going to be uh, cool for certain customers. The um, Password generator supports uh, dice passwords and kind of that type of logic for creating passwords. And it's much better at handling uh, multiple vaults. And it's also uh, El Capitan optimized, which I'm not sure if this ever bothered you or if you really noticed, but there were some big bugs that were affecting 1Password 5 on OS 10. Like you could never, like if you ever resized the window, it would never remember what you sized it to and always made it the same size every time and yes. that, that that just killed me um so i'm a little confused why the idea of not just using a randomly generated password is such a big deal is it because of these instances where you might have to type in a password manually well and also like let's say you just if there's a website like let's say you have a work password or, or you have like your 
uh, Apple account, where generally, if you're going to use that when you're setting up a new device, you're not going to have one password installed. And let's say your password is uh, Warriors dash conquered dash lakers or something like that's a really easy to remember password oh you son of a gun <laughs> it's a really easy to remember password that is quite long and and fairly secure um but like again that's that's the point of that because again it's memorable like in and in a lot of ways it is actually more secure like having a 14 character long random special characters uppercase lowercase all that stuff which if you ever are in a situation where you can't copy and paste those passwords are kind of a huge pain in the ass uh yeah the other ones are better yeah i mean my apple you know password even like not even just the first time you set it up but whenever you reboot the device you know the first time you go to download an app you have to enter your apple id password or the in the myriad of times where it just randomly says enter your password and you have no idea why it's asking yeah that 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 seemed to have calmed down it seemed that that seemed to have spiked a few weeks ago and then now it it seems like it's it's okay did that never concern you because i can never tell like is this actually the operating system asking like oh it's it's incredibly or like the bug i've told you about on the show where sometimes i just take my phone off the charger in the morning and it just says hey you you haven't used it for 48 hours except you use it two hours well, so ever since the last uh, point version of iOS, what are, what are we on now? 9.2. Okay. Ever since that came out, it no longer says the 48-hour thing. It'll, it'll just say like, hey, we need your password to enable Touch ID. So it's like, hmm, okay. So that's one way to fix the problem? Yeah. <sighs> so sorry, but you, yeah, you had I mean, a point here. Well, um. One one password. Any excuse to bring up one password in the show, I'll I'll take advantage of. Everybody should have it. Definitely. Can't wait till biometrics comes to the Mac. Ooh, yeah, I I would like that a lot. Is is that what you're waiting on your iMac 5K purchase for? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I I want I want Touch ID in the corner there. So what if I tell you if it's not coming for three years, would you buy one now? No. Sad. Okay, so what one of the one of the bigger uh, topics uh, of the day is so Jason Snell over at Six Colors wrote one of the better articles I've seen in a while. I just for some reason just really enjoyed this a lot. He uh, pulled a handful of Apple uh, pundits and he also pulled some of his readers, and it was a really simple concept. It was a handful of categories, including hardware iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, cloud services, HomeKit, et cetera, et cetera. And he asked the pundits and the readers to, to grade each of these on a one to five scale. And he basically called this Apple's report card for the year. Um, I thought this article was really interesting for a couple of reasons. One is just because it, it, this, the concept is cool. But then two, I, they, the results are exactly what I thought they would be. Um, and I, I just I think it's interesting that the I don't know just kind of the the overall sentiment totally just just matches the results. I was totally expecting when I saw this headline for one of these scores to just be completely out of left field, and for me to be like, how in the world you know did the Apple Watch get a four point eight? But but no, I mean things seemed fairly well rated. Um, and then you know finally I just I, I looked at this and thought, oh, this would be a really good idea for the show. So I, I saw this, and there was a members uh, six colors member preview of this uh, late last month, 
But it was uh, was Gene Munster involved in this at all? I I hope so. I I don't I don't know if he actually did he actually name the I don't know. I don't think he named the people who responded. Darn. But no, overall, I thought it was a really cool idea. And, and yeah, again, I, I agree with a lot of the scores. And I thought it was kind of a, a, an interesting in what seemed like, maybe because it was partially anonymous, it, w- it led to more truthful responses. But yeah, a, a lot of things did seem to make sense. Like uh, if they showed Apple's obvious trouble points, which were like cloud services, that the Apple Watch is super mediocre at best, if you're being generous. And uh, home kit and home automation is 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 a gigantic mess, which I can attest to. Uh, but certain things are pretty good, like hardware, pretty good, Mac, pretty good. So yeah, I thought I thought it was an interesting kind of a place to study and to show kind of where people think things are going, because Apple is growing and trying to do more. And again, mo- by most accounts, 2015 was kind of a, a weird year in terms of just kind of not necessarily succeeding at a whole lot. They definitely put out a lot of stuff, but yeah. Well, so maybe, I don't, I don't know how you want to do this. Maybe not go through every one of these and, and give a, a score, but is there any of, any of these on here that either you maybe like wholeheartedly agree with and, and want to discuss why you agree with, or, or conversely, are there any on here that you think are not scored appropriately um it would really help if i had a link to this <laughs> um because i remember reading this but it's like a week ago though here i i can i can help i'm, I can sc- help I'm scrolling and i'm not finding it yeah yeah i don't know oh, I, no, I got it the, okay well I, I just sent it to you too uh let's see well maybe maybe i can start you, you start um, and, I'll, and i'll i'll just interrupt when i get angry yeah so the, so the apple watch landed at exactly a three which I think is just, it's so perfect. It's it kind of be basically being like the equivalent of a C minus. And that, that's totally what it is, where I, I think, honestly, if, if notifications didn't work as well as they did, I think this device would be like a one point something. I mean, I think everything outside of notifications, including all the third-party app stuff, is just so miserably bad and kind of worthless. But notifications are probably like a 4.8 so i i think you average those two out and i i think a three is just right on the money so i get yeah i i think a lot of these are right i would probably rate apple watch worse just because i think there's such a a disconnection between how apple sells it and continues to try to sell it and what it can actually do successfully. Like even with watchOS 2 and even with watchOS 2 native applications, it's still kind of like 60-40 on whether or not an application will ever eventually load. Um, and just it's it's still just kind of a, a messy, messy product uh, outside of notifications. So I think that might need to be a little bit lower. We I think everybody can agree that their developer relations needs a lot of work and just kind of the app store in general needs work apple Apple tv seems highly rated for me which seems strange especially since um i was actually able to test out a the new fourth generation apple tv uh just yesterday (laughs) inside of a best buy and it's it's weird 
and I don't really like it. I know, I know like a five minute just playing around with it probably isn't a good uh, frame of reference or, or reason to judge it, but it just seemed difficult to use. Like immediately, I still I couldn't understand why the like going home all the way wouldn't like when you go back into an application, it dumps you back where you were rather than like where like the old one would have taken you like oh, oh it just seems like a really weird product in general so apple tv seems like oddly highly rated ipad seems really highly rated for a product that has seen massive declines in sales and is plagued just with like weird user interface bugs and still isn't all that useful i don't know just yeah those two seem a little high for me yeah, I think the one that maybe seems a little high for me is the Mac. I would disagree um, with that. Well, th that one seems pretty solid. Well, so I, I guess I guess that would uh, interesting. I mean, and and I say this as as someone who you know a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, picked the uh, you know Mac, my MacBook Pro as being you know my my favorite device of uh, twenty or my favorite purchase of twenty fifteen. But I think overall with the Mac, I, I, don't, I don't think we've seen a lot of progress on OS X the last couple of years. I mean, there's been some things that have come out, little some things around the edges, but I, I just don't think overall, I don't think OS X has been pushed very hard. Well, so what things do you think it's missing? So what, what are the glaring issues that you see with it? I think that the big thing just continues to be um, integration with your other devices. And I mean, I, I get that that also starts to bleed into the, how well iCloud works and and all of that. But I I just think that there there's just like things like continuity are finicky and don't work very well. It, even just basic syncing functionality isn't a hundred percent. It just there's this the the ability to just kind of go from one device to the next, being able to pick up right where you left off on a document or something like that, just just still doesn't really come together. And 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 also similar to something we talked about um, with things that we were hoping for, like the next version of iOS is just I want more automation. I, I want I want there to be like the Siri suggestions for everything on my computer. Hmm. I, I but in general, I just I just don't I just don't think I think iOS is is getting you know pushed and pushed and pushed, and we we keep seeing new things coming out for it, new features. I don't f feel the same way about the Mac. And then you know from a hardware perspective, just looking at you know last year, which is kind of what this app this report card focused on. I mean, the only si significant new piece of hardware we got last year was the MacBook, and you know that by all accounts is kind of a dud so many points of disagreement uh, for for me i think the macbook is a dud and and for many technology users i think it or, or people who maybe demand more from their computers it is but i think for the casual user and somebody who just wants a really thin and light computer which again i think that's where sometimes we are are the wrong audience i, I think is it's a really successful and popular product. Like I think up until, I think like a good five months into its product release, it was still like heavily backlogged and 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 shipping late. And and I see a lot of them on a day to day basis, and most people seem to think it's fine. Maybe people have very low expectations of what a keyboard should 
how a keyboard should feel. But no, I think the MacBook is probably a very successful product for them. Because again, most people don't <laughs> care about parallel processing performance or that kind of stuff, or, or having many ports. Um, for the Mac specifically, I think a lot of the stuff that you mentioned is issues with probably iOS more than the Mac and, and cloud services more than the Mac specifically. Like I think other than Discovery D and the and the networking issues that uh, Yosemite had, I think the software is pretty solid. I think continuity, at least in the respect that I use it, which is texting and placing phone calls from my Mac, other than kind of that weird iMessaging bug that we talked about last week, it seems pretty solid. I think the Mac hardware is pretty solid. I think it's mainly iOS that has a lot of room to grow, which has had little iterative improvements over the past six years, but still hasn't had a lot. And as I was telling you earlier this week, most of what it does have now is just super tacked on. And in a lot of ways, is just not jiving well with the rest of it. Specifically, the multitasking stuff. Well, maybe what, maybe what we're talking about here actually is fairly reflected because the highest rated category here is hardware, and then software is coming in just a little bit above Apple Watch at 3.2. Yeah, I don't know. Again, OS X, I think, is pretty good. It's, it's a very, very mature product, and, and I think that works pretty like I haven't had a kernel panic in I, I don't know how long. It's it's very stable. That's true. I mean, I go you know, weeks at a time without rebooting my MacBook Pro, which is pretty. I mean, you can kind of take it for for granted. But I mean, you you probably don't remember this as much. But I mean, I certainly do. Being a Windows user up through you know all the way through like most of college, like the idea of putting your computer to sleep was was suicide you just you just didn't you just didn't do that well no you'd open it up and you'd wait 40 seconds and then eventually hold down the power button because windows couldn't figure out how to wake from sleep right and you know I'll, to be fair i've my current work laptop with windows 7 sleep works just fine although it's, it's not nearly as quick as os 10 but i mean it, it's it's fairly stable but i mean still but you know with my windows laptop i shut that down at the end of every day i would never dream of just putting that to sleep every night and coming back to it but with os 10 i mean i i don't think twice about it poor microsoft um yeah neat neat article um and i i think i think overall it it, it kind of nails what apple did well and what apple struggled with last week last week last year there, there we go yeah okay um all right let me pick something out of the pool uh, Ryan Fretwell is currently in do not disturb mode. Okay. Uh, okay. Let, let's, uh, this, uh, is a decent transition. This is probably quicker because we just spoke about this. So I want to talk to you about this weird phenomenon if from people that I generally respect and, and uh, admire their opinions. There are a lot of people who seem to be going through extraordinary hoops and hurdles to try to replace a traditional computer with an iPad. Yeah, and this so I makes no sense to me. I so I, we we I I tried to bring this up as a topic when we talked about uh, the iPad Pro. This is probably a month, maybe a month and a half ago. 
And I, I, as soon as you put this in the Slack this week, like I, I, my first thought was that's that's what I was trying to say, and I, I didn't really I didn't really say it. So I'm I'm excited that you're bringing this up again. So specifically, this this applies to Mike Hurley and to, and to a lesser extent Jason Snell from from Upgrade, which apparently is the the most important podcast in the universe. I I don't get it. Like I. I I am somebody who I I enjoy my iPad Air too. I think it's a great product that gets used once every two weeks, unless I'm playing Alta's Adventure. And like, there are so many people like that I respect that are like that are fawning over the iPad Pro and talking about how hard they're trying to make it fit their lifestyle and workflow so that they can use it because they like the form factor. But they seem like they're taking like all these productivity hits and they're doing all this weird stuff to make this product fit the way that they work. And, and it, it makes no sense to me. Because here's the thing, like I think Apple needs to have people whose full-time job it is is to try to work on an iPad or an iOS device the same as they would on a Mac and then develop the software in operating system features that make that a reality so that tablets and iOS devices can ultimately replace computers for most tasks. But that sure as hell hasn't happened. So why why are all these people trying so hard to make this product do what the Mac does in ways that are like extremely hacky and are slower? and are like objectively worse than just using a computer that was designed for the job. I I really can't tell you. Like I I I carry I mean I th- I think I even brought this up as an example when I was trying to get this point across. I'm someone who carries two laptops in my backpack to work every day. And I I really the thought of trying to replace my MacBook Pro with an iPad has never once crossed my mind. Like the marginal difference in weight and size, yeah, that would be maybe nice. It'd be a little lighter to carry around, sure. My backpack's, I would say, on the heavier side. That's that's fine. But I, I just don't see, I don't see any way that I could be anywhere close to being as productive on an iPad as I could on, uh, or uh, on fairly like a MacBook. I just, you know, I just, I, I don't see that. And I, because I don't see that as being a possibility, I just don't even have any, you know, motivation to, to try that. Like I just, my current solution works fine. I, I would definitely agree. And, and I can, I will agree that certain tasks are in a lot of ways better suited for iOS devices. Like I think like if you're watching Netflix or you're watching video or something like that, it is better on an iPad and, and many types of games are better on an iPad. And I think like the only uh, prevailing idea that I've heard that I can kind of agree with or, or kind of like understand the motivation of is people that will say they prefer the simplicity and more um, kind of uh, one task at a time nature of iOS for kind of like a distraction-free environment. I can kind of get that, but I still don't necessarily agree with it. Because, again, I had my experiment like um, 
early last year when I was trying to force myself to use the iPad Air 2 just because I was kind of thinking like, oh, do I want the MacBook? Do I want this? How is it going to work? And and no, it's just whenever you try to do something that involves more than one application, it all completely falls apart. Like even with all of the iOS 9's uh, sharing extensions and that kind of stuff, getting one piece of work or data that isn't just strictly copying, pasting text between applications is still a gigantic mess. Whereas like if you like if you want to drag an image outside of Chrome and into another application or onto your computer, like it, it's so weird that you're forced to still use like the camera roll on iOS and it, everything is just so just so weird on on iOS. It, it's not a productivity platform. Yeah, that was that was another thing you put in the in the Slack about <clears throat> kind of the, the the multitasking stuff on the iPad, and so I I was playing around with that some today on on my iPad Mini, both Slide Over and um, Split View. I, I just neither of those seems particularly useful to me. Like I, I just maybe it's just the way I use my iPad, but I I just I don't I can't even think of a lot of different reasons why I would use. That those features, and even when I do go to use them, they're just they're just so half baked. I mean, that's that's totally true. Like the only like I a split view for me almost never gets used. Slide over kind of does in the sense that I will use it rather than flipping back and forth to one password. I will open one password in a slide overview, or I will use uh, messages or Slack or something, or, or like TweetBot or something like that in SlideOver, which I find slightly better if I just kind of maybe want to be browsing the web and doing something like that. But it's, it's still not that good, and it's not a fully realized idea. And again, when I think about like uh, on Monday when I was doing some serious work on my Mac, and I had many different Excel sheets open, and then, and then I had TweetBot, and I had Spotify, and I had Chrome, and I had all this stuff open up, like when I just squeeze the mouse to open expose, like just imagining if there was like on what planet and how much more developed iOS would have to be for any of that to be possible. Like it's, I, I can't imagine it. And, and again, like I know I probably sound like this really old, like curmudgeonly person that doesn't want to embrace the future. And I'm, and I'm sure that iOS at some point in time will be the future. But I, I guess my thing is I think it's, Apple's job and responsibility to try to push that forward and and they should have their internal people trying to make sure that multitasking and sharing and doing all the stuff is still feasible that's not the job of the users of today to try to shoehorn this product into their lifestyle just because they want like that's the part that I I really don't get from a lot of technology people like uh, if if you're not like an artist or somebody who loves taking handwritten notes, I, I guess I'm just super perplexed by the fawning over the iPad Pro, which seems like when you couple it with a keyboard, something that's as heavy as a 13-inch MacBook Pro, but is like a billion times less useful. Yeah, I, I just, again, keep coming at it from the angle of, I, I, what's wrong with my MacBook Pro? It's thin, it's light, it's unbelievably powerful. It has a big, gorgeous retina screen. It's got the best laptop and trackpad I've ever used. 
uh, a sort of keyboard and trackpad on a, a laptop I've ever used. Um, I, I, I just don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see, I, I, I don't, I just don't see what's wrong with it. I, I don't have any desire to replace it with a tablet. Yeah. So I'm glad it confuses you. And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be an old cranky person. I guess, again, my, my central thesis here is that it's Apple's job to do all this beta testing and trying to, to make it feasible and, and develop a mature product. I don't think it needs to be the user's job to try to suffer through it to like be on some weird cutting edge thing. Like again, I, I'm super excited for the idea of an iPad Air 3 that supports Apple Pencil because I think that would be something that's pretty cool. And I think that would be a substantial improvement to my iPad Air 2, which again, doesn't get that much use, but I think that's something worthwhile because like handwritten notes and, and things like that would be kind of cool for me. But again, like it, that doesn't somehow magically make this a productivity device that for my particular use case. Like, and again, I do like a lot of data-driven stuff that requires multiple applications and multiple sheets and that kind of stuff to be open. But I don't know. Yeah, I but even, I think your iPad Air 3 example is a good one. And in fact, it's one of the things that I'm most looking forward to this year because I, I presumably it'll support the Apple Pencil, or at least I hope it does. Um, and, you know, handwritten notes is something that I've gotten a lot more into over the last year. And I, it's actually been really helpful, particularly at, at work. And so the idea of being able to kind of digitally capture those notes and be able to search them is really interesting. But even in that scenario, if I were to bring an iPad to work for, for note-taking purposes, it would still serve as a supplemental device to my laptop, you know, not, not something I would replace my laptop with. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Again, don't, don't do the work that Apple needs to do for themselves. That's a good, good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let me pick something else. Um, do you, what are you, what are you, what are your thoughts? So CES, what uh, was recently, <laughs> and, and luckily, well, yeah. well, yes. <laughs> luckily, we most most sane people were able to insulate themselves from it. But one of the things that did interest me coming out of it, or or that seems like the, something that people should kind of pay attention to, is is that Fitbit released or announced their new wearable product that's going to ship in March, the Fitbit Blaze, which is more Apple Watch than. Fitbit. So basically, I want to know how you feel about it. Not necessarily what other people have mentioned in terms of like the quality of materials and that kind of stuff. But what do you think this, like, do you think they can beat Apple at their own game? Do you think that a fitness centric smartwatch will beat? And again, this, this keeps in mind that we've spent most of the episode talking crap on the Apple watch. But like, do you think a fitness-centric smartwatch beats a general-purpose smartwatch with fitness capabilities? You know, I <clears throat> I probably a year ago would have said no, like if this were the time still leading up to the launch of the Apple Watch. But, you know, here we are a year later. And you know, one of the things that I've noticed a lot is standalone fitness bands are still super, super popular. I mean, I, I've got a handful of friends that, that still use them. I've got 
quite a few coworkers who do. Um, and I, I think on top of that, a lot of people still are kind of hesitant to to have a smartwatch be their primary timepiece. You know, either they just don't wear a watch at all, or they prefer having like a, a nicer, you know, mechanical watch, which I which I totally get. Um, so so yeah, I I do think there is a place for for a device like this. Um, and I also think it's it's good that devices like this are being made. Like I, I think it, it serves as good competition to the Apple Watch. I, I think this is this is going to sound weird, but do you think the Fitbit Blaze is more competition to the Apple Watch than Android Wear? Yeah, I do actually, because I think even Apple Watch users, you know, people who have kind of embraced having this be their their primary watch, you know, using it for things like keeping time and, and the notifications and things like that. Um, I think they also do have a, a heavy um, fitness uh, orientation to the device. I mean, I, I know I do. Like the the activity uh, complication is the one I probably pay most attention to throughout the day. Probably pay more attention to that than I even do the time. Um, and the you know the, the fitness app is as crummy as it is. It, it's still you know it, it's it's still great to have when I'm out on a run. So. So yeah, I, I think the fitness emphasis is something that's that's important, and because of that, I think there's an opportunity for you know other device makers to try to to push what fitness um, bands can do, um, both hardware and software wise. Do you? What do you think Apple's responsibility, or Google's, or something like anybody who makes an operating system, like do you think? Like basically, this on iOS specifically, this is gonna like because it's gonna face all the same issues that Pebble faces, which is that it doesn't get, it's not allowed to be deeply baked into the operating system. So no matter how nice this could possibly be for core phone and like notification functionalities, it's probably gonna be way crappier. Like, do you think there's as this category matures and as Apple and Google end up being like dominant market players. Do you ever think there's going to be a point in time where they have to open up and allow people to make wearables and like accessories like this that do get to have like deeper claws into the operating system? It well, only if the the deeper claws into the operating system allows them to have more advanced fitness functionality. Because I think I think trying to go after the try, trying to go after Apple Watch users, I think, is the wrong approach with a device like the Fitbit Blaze. I think the people they should be going after are people who don't want an Apple Watch. Either, again, they don't wear a watch or they're happy with the watch they already have, but they do like the idea of fitness tracking. And so, you know, they'll be willing to wear, you know, a, a separate device to do that. I think that that's who they should target. But I guess my question is, who who is that person? Because who is opposed to an Apple Watch or or an Android Wear watch, but would suddenly be okay with wearing something that is maybe 50% more fitness focused. Like I, I, I don't see how you suddenly get over the hump with that. But then the counterpoint is, sure, it's slightly better as a, as a fitness wearable, but it's also way crappier at everything else. Well, that's why I think maybe the Fitbit Blaze is a bad example of where the opportunity is like i think it's a device that's got 
kind of one foot in the the fitness you know emphasis and then it's got one foot kind of in, in, in the smartwatch space and i, I think Here, here's my my counter examples is like uh, the lady friend she had an apple watch for like a month and, and didn't like it yet she will still compare uh she will still wear her uh fitbit one or whatever the the clip-on one is every single day because she appreciates the fitness tracking but i think that's where that kind of lies it's either you want a watch or you don't it's not that the Apple Watch was too simplistic in its fitness capabilities. It's just that she didn't necessarily want to wear a watch. Yeah, and I, I that that makes that actually makes sense to me. Um, like I, I, I'm not that person. I I enjoy wearing my Apple Watch and, and enjoy using it both for fitness and everything else it does. But I, I do actually get the idea of people liking their watch or just not wanting a watch, but then also still appreciating the fitness tracking. Like that, that does make sense to me. So I mean, overall, I I, I think yeah, Fitbit they're they're having. I mean, tech stocks or everything is getting kind of crushed at the beginning of the year, but oh, Fitbit is yikes. Uh, I just I don't know where it goes from them, just because. Again, it goes back to like what was the what's the thing like Google is getting better at design than Apple can get better at cloud services and all the other stuff. Like I I don't think the leap is that far for Apple Watch two or three or any subsequent generations to get to improve the fitness tracking at the same pace as they refine everything else compared to Fitbit. Some like I think it's it's their game to lose in that respect. Right. And that's super, super challenging and tricky for me because like Fitbit is trying a lot of stuff. Like they have wearables that kind of every price point, stuff that's as cheap as $50 with the Fitbit Zip. They've had uh, the Fitbit Surge, which I think is like 250 the one that Obama wears. Um, it's it's just weird. And, and they're buying like uh, like Fitstar is like a, um, a like video to like, virtual trainer tutorial thing that they bought recently like they're they're trying tons of stuff but it's hardware is 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 really tricky and again with somebody as powerful a competitor as google and apple like it just seems like they can refine the fitness thing way faster than you convince people that fitness is the only thing that matters because since you don't control the platform you ultimately just die (laughs) <laughs> wow! I was trying to spin that in a way that didn't sound like just doom and gloom, but I guess that's just how it goes. Wow! But it's it's true, right? <sighs> and, and the Fitbit Blaze does not look that nice. It it seems cheap. No, I, but again, it's not I, cheap. This 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 isn't what's going to carry the mantle of standalone fitness devices. But I do think there's an opportunity there. Yeah, poor Jawbone. Because they've always made the coolest looking fitness trackers and their software has generally been better. It's just kind of those like Jawbone, like Fitbit, like it's, it's a fantastic name and they have great word of mouth and, and people will just buy them even though I guarantee, like, I, I don't know if there's any, do they ever release this in like quarterly earnings or that kind of stuff? Like, do we know what percentage still get used? I know they would probably never release that number, but I'd really want to know in terms of like number of units sold. <laughs> Like plus or minus or like ten percent for like lost of what we would assume are lost or damaged units. Like how many of these never get used after the second week? I bet it's probably half of them. 
That's probably sadly true. I think half is probably optimistic too. <laughs> probably. Yeah, if this Apple Watch didn't do notifications, I don't, I don't know what I would do. It would be, again, it would not be a three on uh, Jason Snell's uh, report card. All right, go, go ahead and uh, pick something. All right, so what next? Um, I've got, uh, this is just something that came out today. This is the Apple supposedly keeping an eye on what's happening with Time Warner and considering a buyout if, if that opportunity were to come up. Um, what, what, what do you think about that? It, that's not happening. Next topic. <laughs> like that, this whole story makes zero sense to me. Like, yeah, just just no. Like, do, I, I don't know. I, I I think it's far fetched, but I I could I could see it, and I could see potentially why they'd want to do it. Like, I kind of get it, in, in but I think in a lot of ways, like uh, whatever retransmission contracts and stuff that they have probably wouldn't follow any sales agreement. Does Apple want to be known as the acquirer of a company that has such a universally shit reputation as Time Warner? Um, just no. No. Yeah, the, the, no. moving on unless unless you have anything to <laughs> to add to that but that, that that seems to make no no sense yeah i think people that they, the story's been spun today that this would be a way to for apple to kind of kickstart its like standalone uh tv service that's been rumored forever and I can I can kind of see that, but I also I think people miss miss the point, which is you know they would still have to you know cooperate with um, content provider other content providers. Cause, I mean, while Time Warner has a lot of good content, they don't have all of it, and they they don't even have a majority of it. Um, and then in terms of you know delivering that content, you know again yes, Time Warner has some share of um, you know, the internet service provider space, but it doesn't have all of it. So Apple still has to work with, you know, other, other well, ISPs. So well, I, I don't know. Here's the other just... stuff, like, like three different things. Like, so sure, H, because uh, HBO is, is almost wholly owned by Time Warner, right? I, I believe it is wholly so owned, So they, yes. they get a content company in, in the form of HBO, but why do they want that? Why does Apple, what, what is the benefit of becoming a content creator that competes with the brand platforms that they're supposed to be like neutrally supporting? Like, like why do they now want to complete with or compete with uh, everybody else they're trying to partner with? That makes no sense. Why would Apple want to operate a cable company that has, like, are you now going to have Apple Time Warner technicians late to your house all the time like do, do people forget that they have <laughs> physical customers like that's the part that makes the least amount of sense to me yeah i mean i guess like if there were a scenario where time warner were to be bought out and apple could somehow just buy maybe like the content but again, division but like again that's just not the business they want to be in yeah i i, I totally agree. because again if you're trying to retransmit everybody else's content having a potential preference towards your own 
content is not the way to make friends. Right. And, you know, like, and I, yeah, I, I just, I don't really see like this, this rumored standalone Apple TV service. I guess I don't really necessarily even see what like the well, point no, I, of that I, is. I definitely see the point. Like, it's, I, it's in the sense that like uh, cord cutting, which is slowly becoming a thing, having something that you can couple with Netflix to get live content from or a, a broader scope of original programming, I think that definitely has some value to it. And people would... But I mean, but you can basically already do that, though, with Apple can TV. Can you? I, I don't think, like, because... I mean, to a, to a large you, degree, you have you the new Apple TV and I don't. Is there a Comcast... Like, you know how Comcast has their Xfinity TV Go app on iOS? Is that available for Apple TV? I'm I'm not sure, but that I mean that wouldn't be a good example of what you're talking about, though. You're talking about getting away from having a cable subscription to begin with. Well, isn't right? that wasn't that your counterpoint? Is that you can already get it? No, my my, my well, no, my counterpoint was that there's already things like a Hulu app and a Netflix app and an HBO. What, what's HBO now? Go? What, what what's the now? Yeah, there there's already <laughs> is, there, is there HBO later? <laughs> so so many of the <laughs> like. But here's the thing, like, uh, okay, let's say I'm a cord cutter and I want to watch Top Chef legally. What do I do? Comes on Bravo, which is owned by NBC Universal slash Comcast slash whatever. How do I watch that? I have to buy it at three bucks an episode? I, I guess, but I mean, that's, but that's also the point, which is if Apple were to go out and do like this Time Warner deal, that problem still wouldn't be solved. Exactly, but again, uh, but you were you were saying that you don't necessarily get the point of having them have their own like TV delivery service. Uh, well, because I just I, I I don't think I don't know if if the service that, that they want, which is bringing together all these different content providers, like I, I I don't I don't know if that's possible. So I guess maybe I should have I should have put my point a different way. I I don't know if the TV service, which is really feasible, is one that would be compelling enough. I think the only one that would really be worthwhile is something that, again, I just, given the the, you know, the the business behind all that stuff, I just I just don't think it's I don't think it's there. Sure. All right. Um, to take a small break, do you want to do a couple of picks of the week? Yes, I, I I would very much like to do that. We should we really should. I know we've said this occasionally on the show, but we really should commit to making this uh, a thing. I think I think the, pe- I, the people think like it a lot. Um, you, uh, you, you should have theme music for it too. Just put put extra music for it. Oh, okay, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Sure. So you, you go ahead and uh, present yours first. Sure. Um, so we extensively on the show talked about uh, Bluetooth headphones as going back a month or two ago, and you you had done some experimentation and uh, shared shared what I thought was a good story on the show. Um, and, I, and I've mentioned multiple times that I've, you know, on my commute, I really do prefer having wireless headphones. And I, I had like, you know, the Bose around ear ones and like those were okay, but they had like the funky dongle thing and they weren't very comfortable with like sunglasses. They just, just really weren't, really weren't the perfect fit. So I went back to just using wired headphones and it's just, it's been crappy. Like it gets tangled in my backpack and you know, trying to take your jacket on and off is a hassle. It's just having wireless headphones when you're, you know, switching between different modes of transportation and walking around and stuff. It's just, it's just way better to have to wireless headphones. Um, and you had sent me a link um, even before doing that episode about um, 
your experiences with Bluetooth headphones about the Bose SoundLink Around Ear Wireless 2 headphones, which are a oh, no. much nicer looking, much um, um, much more modern version of the Around Ear headphones that I had previously had. So I decided to pull the trigger and, and get, a, get a pair. I've had them, uh, I've been using them just for the last three days, and so far so good. Um, they, they work a lot like the originals, like I'd say sound quality is fairly comparable, comfort is comparable, which is a good thing because the first ones were super comfortable. Um, you know, the sunglasses thing is still kind of a, an annoyance, but it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, and overall, it's just, it, it's way, way nicer to have uh, wireless headphones in my particular circumstance. Well, I'm glad you like them. I, I think in my review, those were the best wireless pair of headphones for non-workout situations. So yeah, they're, they're very nice. They're, yeah, they feel good. They're, they're nice and solid. They have kind of that um, leatherish uh, kind of headband thing. They, they, the build quality is very nice. And, and they have hardware buttons too for music controls, which I don't know if the AE1Ws or whatever they're called had that. They they did it. They they were on the funky dongle looking thing, and somehow these also this has like a microphone too, which I don't understand. Understand how that works? Um, I haven't I haven't answered a call on Maybe it. Maybe test out Siri but, with it. Um, see how it goes. Yeah, I, sh- I should do that. Um, and I I also love them too, which I've talked about on the show about like the concept around noise cancel uh, canceling. Like I, I I don't want that on my commute. I do want to be able to hear what's around me, and, and these do offer a. What I think is kind of a perfect compromise where they do drown out some noise that that was annoying um, with just having my regular wired headphones. Um, it Like BART being a really good example where now this drowns out more of that noise where I can more easily hear what I'm listening to. But at the same time, I can still hear my surroundings pretty well. Um, so, so far, so good. Uh, they're, they're a little pricey. I, I think they're, yeah, I think they're about $80 overpriced i would be 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 a lot easier to recommend if they were 200 um but but overall yeah i mean i think for for my particular need um they're they're pretty solid very nice yeah i'm glad you (laughs) you finally got them and um now you're probably only a month away of pestering from a 5k on mac it's the right choice how's your monitor doing and and any great patches right now it's it's got the big gray patch going pretty strong right now. It does, yeah. Are you sure you don't have any magnets near the screen? I I, I do not. I, I was looking at uh, monitors uh, today, and I I sent you a link to one that was on sale. You you talked me out of it. Thank I you. Wasn't necessarily trying to do that. Well, I was trying to talk you out of it, but I was trying to talk you into something else. Didn't work. It'll work. All right for. My pick of the week, I think this is something I've I've discussed in passing uh, earlier or sometime last year, uh, but it's a uh, iPhone app that is actually a today widget, uh, which is called Launcher. And if you just go to the app store and search for Launcher, it should be one of the first things that pops up. Uh, it's by a company called Cromulent Labs. And it just allows you to set little shortcuts uh, that go into your notification screen or your uh, today widget window or whatever it's called notification center and it just allows you to let set little app links and particularly what i like is that you can set shortcuts 
So like on mine, I have a settings app shortcut that does nothing but turn on a mobile hotspot. So it's it's a good little shortcut utility, which I think is something that is really missing from iOS in general. It's another one of those things where Apple keeps encouraging you to have more and more applications and use things in a certain way, but they don't necessarily provide the way of managing it. So it's it's a quick and easy utility that I think is is worthwhile for most people, or most power users, I should clarify. Yeah, I have. I've had that installed on my iPhone for a while now, and I I still haven't worked into a routine where I regularly like, use it. If you're on your iPhone and you need to get to one password, isn't that kind of the best way to do it? I mean, it's 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 on it's on the first page so, of my home screen, and that's so oh okay. We'll we'll. we'll We'll get back to this, but do you have more than one home screen? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I think you got to stop that. No, I mean, the, the first home screen is all standalone apps, the ones that I use the most often, and then the second home screen is just all folders. But why not just have one? You only have one screen? One mm-hmm. home screen? Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. Because, so how frequently do you use, uh, do you use the... Uh, swipe down in the middle of the screen to get spotlight search and then you just find the app that way uh, occasionally when i forget where the app so is so i think using your phone becomes a lot easier when you try to rely on that as the sole as like kind of the main method of finding apps like outside of like messages tweetbot safari and like just the core like basic of apps that's way easier so Again, that's one of the things that I really wish Apple would address in iOS 10 is, is that you're encouraged so much to use multiple applications or a lot of applications, but that it's still a huge pain in the ass to manage them, file them away, and to open them. But anyway, um, oh, hey, Microsoft Office auto update. That's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> There's an update for a uh, word for, for iOS 10. Um, oh, you should, you, should, you should get right it to it. It says that. it's critical, so uh, delay. Anyway, so a uh, launcher for uh, for iOS 9. Give it a shot. Okay. Good, good, good pick. All right. Well, glad you have your headphones. All right. So what, what last bits do we have? Um, any other little housekeeping items? Um, I mean, we hit, we hit the, I think we hit the big ones. I mean, they've got like Amazon selling its own processors. I don't, don't think I have a whole lot to say there. Um. You you randomly linked to the uh, D Wade limited edition Sidekick three for ballers. Yeah. Um. And what 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 prompted? I that? don't remember what like rabbit hole got me uh, got me to that point. Looking at Engadget articles from two thousand. I think for, like somebody on Twitter had mentioned the word Sidekick, and then I remembered T Mobile had again like you, this wasn't that long ago. But do you remember the dark ages before modern smartphones? Well, that's, that's when, when I worked at T-Mobile was when sidekicks were in, in their heyday, maybe, maybe the tail end of the heyday, because I, I was there when the um, G1 came out. So we, we were kind of starting to, to do the whole smartphone migration thing. But I mean, sidekicks were still very much like the thing to have for uh, a lot of people. So... Uh, y- Including my sister, I, I we had like a friends and family discount that we could use to buy. I think it was like one or two phones a year, 
and I I bought bought my sister a, a discounted Psychic, which I she loved. Oh man, uh, yeah. So it only served to illustrate it illustrate just how weird phones were before modern modern Android or iOS smartphones. Like the Sidekick was like. If you if you didn't have a BlackBerry because like you're a business person or you were like somebody who was addicted to BBM, you had a, a sidekick or you had like a a, a magenta razor or something if you were on T-Mobile, and it was it's just it was such a weird product that like it didn't run any modern smartphone apps. It it just was this weird standalone thing that was like a carrier exclusive, but actually had a lot of like brand loyalty, and then it just kind of faded away when the iPhone happened. And then, and then the few people that still had them. Do you remember back when Microsoft acquired Danger, the maker of the Sidekick, and then they just lost everybody's data? <laughs> yes, I do. See, I don't like that's not funny, but it's really funny. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a little funny. Like it's just weird stuff like that. Like apparently, like on that device, like your photos weren't actually stored on the phone. So when Microsoft's data center went down or something happened. Like there was a botched software update and just all your photos were gone. Like just oh weird stuff like that. Like the world was so different before before the iPhone. So I think that's why I linked to that. And also I I I think I was looking up something related to the Warriors too. And I, I forget who D Wade or Dwayne Wade plays for if he's still an active player. But just the fact that he had his own phone is just crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a little, little Does he still play in the NFL or the NBA? Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, you, you mean you, you have the NFL I'm, on the I'm thinking of it's, uh, it's, it's, it's coming, coming back to your I'm hometown. thinking of the, uh, the Inglewood Rams. We'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> come right. back to that briefly. That's, they're, they're a lot like the, the Santa Clara 49ers. No, I, I brought that up. Like, I don't, I don't get that. Like, is, is Inglewood LA's Santa Clara? Like, it's been a while since I've lived in Southern California, but how close to LA is Inglewood? I think it, it's it's only about Inglewood's only about I think 10, 15 miles from downtown LA. So it's it's much more LA than Santa Clara is San Francisco. Well, it it depends. I mean, when you when you take traffic into account, Inglewood actually could be further. Have you seen Peninsula traffic these days? Oh, I oh I oh, believe me, yes, I have. Um, <laughs> On a good day, it takes forty five minutes to get between San Jose and NSF. And anyway. Oh, it, it, on a good day, that, that would be literally no traffic. Exactly. Yeah. So 15 minutes, I think most people will take that. Again, I, I don't care about football, but I find that whole thing so, so funny. Well, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll skip whatever else I'm up for. But can you explain to me why does L.A. need a team so bad? And why, what did the city of San Diego do to like, why are the Chargers always trying to leave San Diego? <laughs> So this whole thing, I don't care about football, but the economics and kind of the team stuff is actually kind of interesting to me. So please explain. Well, so I think why LA needs a football team, I think, is is a harder question to answer because I think I think it's hard to make a case why they do. Well, why does San Diego not deserve a football team? Well, so the, so that that's easier to explain. So there's three teams that want to leave their current location and have looked at LA as their their new destination it's the the san diego chargers the oakland raiders and the st louis rams and the reasons behind all three teams wanting to leave are pretty much the same they all three want new stadiums um in the case of oakland and san diego it's really obvious you know qualcomm which is where the the chargers play 
and then the Coliseum, which is where the Raiders play, are really old, super run down. I mean, literally the Coliseum um, for Oakland A's games, which is the baseball team that plays there. And it's, by the way, the only stadium still that has a baseball and a football team. They've had a couple of games get delayed because of raw sewage spilling into the locker room. I'm not, I'm not making that up. You, you, you can Google search that. Um, so th- these three teams, <laughs> these three teams, they, they want to get away from their current stadium situation. Uh, St. Louis also wanted a new stadium. I, I don't think because their current stadiums necessarily run down like the other two, but they, I think it is still a little on the older side. Um, and you know, the, you say you're interested in the economics of it. That that's really where it starts to to get complex. Is is the economics around you know stadium and arena building, and arguing what the benefits are there and who should pay for it and all all that. Um, and, you know, all, all three of these teams have found that their current cities, um, many would argue smartly, are, are not willing to, to foot any of the bill for, um, for new stadiums. Do we even want to get into the debate as to whether or not municipal entities should be contributing to that? I, I, I mean, I don't really think there I don't really think there is much of a debate, to be honest. I mean, there's just there's really no evidence to support the stadiums being of any municipal benefit there are there are some edge cases where i think you could start to to build some of someone of a narrative i mean including right here in san francisco i think at&t park has arguably had a fairly positive influence but i but, but at&t I, park wasn't built with tons of public money like part part of it like they got a good deal on the land but i don't think it was kind of like a milwaukee bucks situation which was just a yeah, no, I, I think I think I think that's right. Um, so yeah, no, so I I don't I don't think cities should be helping, you know, multi billion dollar organizations with even more multi billion dollar owners um, to to build arenas. So I don't I don't really even think there's anything to debate there. <sighs> All right, let me let me send you a, a link to a tweet, and then we'll probably wrap this up. Uh... <laughs> So this is from Michael Grunwald. If I win the Powerball, the first thing I'll do is ask taxpayers to build me a stadium. It's pretty good. We we didn't talk about the Powerball thing at all. I don't think we want to because if you get me just on the lottery and and talk, it's not going to end well. Do you, do you buy any lotto tickets? Do I, do I fucking look like I would? Well, I mean, I I I I spent twenty bucks this morning. Why? Like, why not? Many reasons, like the <laughs> fact that you don't have anything to show for your twenty. All right, we should we should end the show. Cause... Uh, it is. I don't know. It's it, no, no. You do know. You're, you're a very bright guy. You you do know. It honestly that the twenty dollars was was worth the twenty dollars is worth being part of the conversation today. But you could and, just say you having... did it. That's free, <laughs> and statistically, you would have the exact same shot. Plus or minus point zero 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 something. There was our friend of the show, uh, Troy, sent me this really funny stat. Well, it's it's kind of grim, but it's also kind of funny. Um, if if you have to drive one mile to get to wherever you're going to to purchase a Powerball ticket, you're eight times more likely to die in that car ride than you are to to actually win the lottery. Checks out. And, and then, and then that, those odds go way up if, you know, if the ride is, is further. 
Uh, you know, whatever. It's, it's no, no, whatever. Twenty bucks to be part of the the phenomena. That's fine. Uh, we should end the show. <laughs> what a what a bizarre the the lottery is just such a just a bizarre construct in no, so it's many not. ways. No, it's not. It's completely explainable. It's a voluntary tax. Let, let, let's let's end well, let's end the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will not end well. Okay. <laughs>